podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What a fantastic goal that is from Derby! Hello and welcome along to Steve Bloomer's Washing, your free, independent and law-abiding Derby County podcast for a bonus episode. We've squeezed in another pod into our usual schedule because, well, let's, let's face it, it hasn't exactly been a normal week for our football club. Uh, joining me to look back on a few days which few Derby fans will forget in a hurry are consummate professionals Richard Kutcher and Tom Martin. How are your weeks, chaps? Very good, thank you. Uh, busy at work, as always. Yeah, same for me, and uh, not quite so busy as I perhaps could have been. Could have been down the pub a few more times. <laughs> maybe maybe avoided, <laughs> avoid the pub this week. Um, well, you say that. Before we move on, Steve Bloomer's <laughs> Washing is partnered with Derby Brewing Company, our uh, Derby's original craft brewer. But please, drink responsibly, all right? Um, Richard, we are on social media, aren't we? Tell me more. Yeah, you can find us as ever on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is at Steve Bloomer Pod, and you can search for us and follow us on Facebook as well. And a headline news then, after what could have been a season-defining week off the pitch, the Rams have finally got that first home league win for Phil Koku, edging a Midlands thriller with Birmingham City 3-2. Uh, we'll come to the events of midweek later on, can't really not talk about them, but events on the pitch are what we're going to focus on for now what a game lads what a what a match a, in a way a fittingly bonkers 90 minutes to, to round off a completely ridiculous week for Derby County yeah yeah obviously it was, it was a brilliant match actually really good game and obviously the circumstances of the win you know obviously throwing away a lead coming back getting a winner the penalty save what's actually great about that apart from the result in itself is as I think you know, Philip Koku said after the game, I think Mel Morris said it as well, and I think quite a few of the, the kind of BBC Radio Sports said it was, you know, we're talking about football. And I think like an early goal in the game, it just meant that the, everyone was focused on the football because it, it, was a, it was a really lively game. If it had been kind of a real sour, bored draw or not a lot in it, it would have been easy for attention to start diverting to off-the-pitch matters. But the, the fans, both sets of fans, were you know, it, was, it sounded like a really great atmosphere at the game. I think it would have taken a scrappy... 1-0 yeah. win all day long but there was so much incident so much content in, in that match Tom that um, the, the players literally forced us to to focus on the game instead and it was actually three players in from the cold who made the biggest contributions arguably in helping Derby get that first home win for Koku uh, Curtis Davis with his first league start since last November when he was stretched off against Stoke uh, Chris Martin making it 2-2 two and two after scoring roughly two in his last 52 before that. Two in about five minutes as well. <laughs> and uh, Jamie Patterson getting his first Rams goal. Who made the biggest contribution to that win for you? For me, it's the tone that we set in the first few minutes. So Chris Martin, I thought he was excellent in his hold-up play, but the, he took his goal very nicely. Just wrong-footing Lee Camp, who we have to ask questions about his goalkeeping ability, and that's fine. We'll continue to do that forever and ever uh, and ever. Um but like he, he 
touch inside and then I finished it into the bottom corner. Uh, but his general hold-up play all day, the setup for Waghorn's goal was fantastic. So for me, I think uh, in this massive ding-dong battle uh, that we had against Birmingham City on Saturday, I think Chris Martin was by far the far and away the star man. What I'm excited about, Kutch, is the prospect of Chris Martin feeding off balls from the likes of Dwayne Holmes, like he did against Birmingham, and the returning Jaden Bogle, who got a crucial quarter of an hour under his belt after returning from injury. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we saw Dwayne Holmes uh, twice in that first half get get great balls into the box, finding Chrissy Martin the first. Obviously, Chris Martin scored from excellent ball, excellent, excellent break. Dwayne Holmes looks really sharp. And then Chris Martin's second chance about 10 minutes after that, I think. Again, Dwayne Holmes found some space released by Waghorn on the right-hand side and he picked out Martin on the edge of the box perfectly and Martin just didn't quite keep it down enough to find uh, the top corner. And what you said about Jaden Bogle, I thought one thing that he looked really good at when he at the start of this season before he got injured was his crossing again we saw a second half of last season Jaden Mogul's got excellent crossing ability and um, when we get to see Max Lowe on the left hand side we could see what his left foot crossing is like did he get the most assists of any player last season in the league or was it just the most assists of any fullback uh, I wouldn't sure. want to comment but I think it may well have been uh, just of the defenders to be fair uh, I think there were other players I think it was it uh, Hernandez at Leeds, who got the most assists, so I reckon both. And anything above five assists for a fullback is, is is great, and I think we'll be expecting. It's not unreasonable to to expect the same again from a fully fit Jaden Bogle. Um, a lot of really good performances across the pitch. You could just tell, couldn't you, Tom, that the players looked like they had something to prove. They looked like they wanted to get the fans back on side. They looked like they wanted to get our season up and running again. They looked like they were playing for the manager. I mean, it's not ideal circumstances that it should take the midweek events to make them do that. They should be doing that anyway, clearly. But some really good performances. Who was the uh, standout player for you overall? Mm, I mentioned I mentioned Martin. Uh, I think he had a really good game for his link-up and obviously his finish for the first goal, the set-up for Waghorn uh, for the second one. I was also impressed with Patterson. I thought he was busy uh, in the midfield, sort of popping out on the wing and then also uh, being dominant in the centre. Uh, Holmes's energy down the down the right-hand side at times was fantastic and the assist that he got for Martin's first goal. Um, I do think that, for me, I think Martin may well have been, been my man of the match just because he... It's, it was so important for us to build on the Leeds game, which is what we said last week. If we ignore the midweek action and we build on that Leeds performance, that last-minute goal was potentially a real turning point for the season. And actually, we've continued that. And Chris Martin finishing in the second minute enabled us to keep that momentum going on the field uh, and allowing, as you said earlier, us to ignore the off-the-field off actions over the week. Yeah, what you said there, Chris, about kind of the players turning up for Philip Koku is, is really important because... If Koku had lost control of the squad, and I don't think there's actually any any suggestion that was the case, but if Koku, if there was problems with the squad, wider problems with the squad, and they didn't they didn't have respect for him, then we wouldn't have seen the kind of gritty, um, grinded out performance that we got. You know, but easily it would have been so easy for them to crumble, having thrown away a two goal lead in the space of a few minutes. Birmingham looked like they were the ones who were going to go ahead and get the goal, and obviously it took a a brilliant save from penalty save from from Keller Roos to, to keep us in it in that regard. And you look back at, and we look get towards the end of the season, however we finish the season, that save from Keller Roos will be absolutely huge because if we'd thrown away a two goal lead after everything that had happened this week, it would have been really hard to come back from. I think that uh, that two goal lead was was important when we the way we responded to 
to conceding to make it 2-2 and obviously the penalty save was a real sort of crucial uh, element in that as well and I do think that morale around the club was, was already low because of the incidents of, uh, through the week and if you then go back and back that up with a, a disappointing result on the pitch it's going to have an even bigger impact so coming back and showing the character and drive and determination to, to have been effectively kicked in the balls from conceding two, two well one brilliant goal definitely but to concede two in five minutes um, is a really really big sort of a, a show of character I think from the Derby team and I think we deserve that win as a result of that it was a good penalty save I mean should have caught it really shouldn't he yeah I mean, it, was, it was good height I mean Roos flapping at a loose ball yeah and, I mean he I never mean, never comes with it properly does he no yeah I mean if I was he's got to be making those penalties his own he's got to be he's got to be putting two hands on him <laughs> I don't got to be commanding his hit six yard box <laughs> no, it's a fantastic save and all, all jokes aside he was looking seriously shaky in the first half he's flapping at a lot of a lot of high balls despite that video that we're watching of his amazing training routine yeah. <laughs> I was just tired watching him do that training routine actually n- none of which involved claiming crosses to be fair maybe that's what he's doing wrong yeah. Um, but yeah fantastic save and it will give, I'm sure it will give him a lot of confidence I mean I don't I don't think he's someone that lacks confidence he doesn't come across that way but having such a big impact on a match on such an important match you know that, that save alone gives him at least another couple of games in, with the number one shirt in my opinion and you know to be honest his shaky moments underneath the high ball was really in the first half and his second half he didn't have as much challenge but he did keep hold of everything he had and he, he wasted some time at the end which was very useful and I'm sure that, that penalty save hopefully will just give him a little bit more confidence. He, he put a good fist on a, on a few high balls in the second half. I don't know if Shea Given or somebody had had a word with him. He, he was noticeably yeah. improved. And he did um, his handling of some, some low crosses and, and balls in in the last 10 minutes when we were up against it and trying to um, trying to see down that that one goal lead was really good as well. So credit to him for that. He's a big he's a big lad, isn't he, Roos? And he he therefore can can dominate a penalty area, and he makes himself big. And he made a, a good save from outside the box uh, before I think uh, the first goal. When it, I think it might have even gone from the corner that he uh, made the save, uh, and obviously the penalty save. He has flung himself right the way across the goal, and he he covers that. And he should be using his size and his his strength and his his prowess and agility to to really dominate. And it can just be frustrating watching that when he he doesn't seem to be technically great coming for crosses and as a result the defenders don't necessarily trust him and it causes a a few palpitations in the box. Kurt, do you think we'll ever live in a world where Derby can defend against Lukas Jukovic? (laughs) (laughs) Well, probably not because he probably hasn't got that much longer left as in championship, I don't know. But I mean, Curtis Davis did a decent job. Obviously, we still uh, conceded uh, and Jukovic still gave us problems, but... I felt like Curtis Davis of all our centre backs was, was the man to take the challenge on. So I'm glad he was playing, whatever circumstances it was. But no, he, he's been a bogeyman for Derby for a long time, and uh, long may it not continue. What's impressive about the man you mentioned there, Curtis Davis, is that Cocker mentioned that he's having to adapt. He said afterwards that um, Curtis Davis, he's trying to adapt his qualities to what we want. So when Davis was that mainstay in the Rowett team and his Player of the Year, he played in a different way. He was uh, a defender's defender, like a blocker, a marker. But in this new regime, he's having to be the defender that helps start attacks, that helps play out, that uh, plays those triangles to beat the press. And that's not his natural game, but credit to him. He he got in there and did what he had to, um, helped us win the game. And I just hope that we work on that and we work on 
improving that side of Davis's game because he's going he's going to have to play a lot of games now, whether you like it or not. Yeah. So what what I'd say about that is to be a defender in that kind of team, you haven't got to be the best player on the ball on the pitch. You just got to make good decisions. You haven't got to pick out excellent passes. You haven't got to play 50-yard balls or really quick tick-attack of football to, to get your team moving. you just got to make the right decisions at the right time. And I feel like Keogh, because he actually is quite good in the ball, Keogh would often maybe want to do a bit too much or maybe try and overplay. And and that might be what Philip Cocky wants. But I thought what Curtis Davis did was, yeah, he played it around at the back, didn't do anything fancy, didn't, do, didn't go on any runs, but he kept the ball. I don't remember him giving the ball away. And he was patient, which is what Philip Cocky wanted. But at the end of the day, a defender is a defender. And we've struggled from defending crosses, from defending balls into the box, from being organised. Curtis Davis will definitely give that to that team. So I'm delighted to see him back in the team. To come back to the uh, to, to the man we mentioned earlier, Chrissy Martin, two goals in two games for him now. The second, His work for the second goal, I thought, was actually more impressive than the goal he did score. The, uh, the slip from the defender... And what we were saying during the game was that we loved how he got away, from, he nicked in, he, he he nipped in, got the ball, went forward, but knew he wasn't going to have the pace to to get his head down and get a shot off. So immediately used his awareness to get his head up, turn back on himself. And we we're saying earlier that that other players make those runs because they know that Chris Martin is going to find them. So as soon as he turns back, Waggy's on his bike, isn't he? And I just wonder if. If that was Marriott who was steaming through, if Waghorn may have got on his bike to the same degree to make the same run, because would he have known that the ball would be perfectly slipped in with that absolute slide rule, beautiful little assist that Martin put in? And you said yourself yesterday, Kutch, that we got more players around Martin. Like Josef Zun looks not a different player quite, but he looks he looks improved. He looks improved. He looked better. He looked more dangerous. He uh, he was getting off the shoulder he's getting th- beyond the defensive line my question my, my question would be with uh, what you're talking about with Marriott and Waghorn um, would Waghorn be able to catch Marriott so he could definitely catch the diesel engine that is Chris Martin <laughs> chugging along I mean when the defender slips I mean he's sort of like he's sort of like you can just feel Martin chugging on there what I liked about Martin's run though what I liked about Martin's run is that um, you're right he didn't he realised he wasn't going to have the pace being a, being a diesel engine of course um, and he realised that he therefore shouldn't go straight for goal and he actually heads out towards the left the left flank a little bit and as a result he creates a space inside because the mm. defender has to follow him um, and Waghorn is able to to use the space that Martin creates by making that diagonal run. So when Martin cuts back in, that ball is pinpoint. It's absolutely perfect. And Waghorn doesn't have to break stride and just buries it in the bottom corner. So brilliant play. And that's why, as I said earlier, Martin's my man of the match. Coach Koku said about Chris Martin afterwards, um, he was asked about his contribution and how impressed he was with what he did. Because Martin came off with about a quarter of an hour to go. Tom, I know you you flagged up the possibility of all three playing, which Cocker, I'm not sure he's going to go for, but Cocker said, I would rather he puts everything he's got into the game and when the batteries are low, we put on the fresh guy, mm-hmm. uh, which maybe gave me sort of an image of uh, of the last scene for Short Circuit 2 when uh, <laughs> Johnny Five is chasing that bad guy yeah. while the red light in his eye is going down and he then at the end he, he finds a bad guy and then assists Martin Michael and then the film ends. <laughs> 
you said Kutch about uh, super sub Ma- uh, Jack Marriott before. Well, so well, I did say on the season maybe Jack Marriott's role is is a super sub. Yeah. Oh, well, neither of them seem like they're up for completing ninety minutes anytime soon. So maybe it's going to work quite nicely. Maybe Martin starts some games against certain opposition. Birmingham's probably a good one for. Him. Maybe Jack Marriott will be more suited to other games. But maybe that's a different debate. Um, I think. The goal was a great example of of it was was the example of of Martin's hold up play and awareness of what's going on around him, using the space, using his body. He has got uh, good feet for a, for a diesel engine, um, <laughs> but it was happening all match. It was happening from the very beginning. Like we've, ne- I was saying just before we came on air, but. I've never seen, or this season at least, I've not seen Derby throw so many players forward and steaming forward. Like the, the Patterson winner, there was three or four of them that probably could have ended up putting in the back of the net. Well, he ran the length of the pitch, didn't he? I don't know if he was keen to impress, but he sprinted about 80 yards to try and get a tap in. Yeah, and I was shouting at Patterson at the time just to, to play it to him, but you know, Patterson did a, a good finish in the end. But you know, even in the first half, Flojo was coming off his wing, trying to get more involved. It wasn't always that effective, but he was busy. You know, Waghorn was linking up. Patterson was definitely, there's definitely something going on there between Chris Martin and Patterson I'm not suggesting anything untoward but you know they do they do have chemistry and it would just be great to see the team seems to have a lot of confidence about Chris Martin being in that position because as as Tom says I think other players believe that Martin will find them if, if that's the right ball it's such a massive three points Tom for a lot of reasons um Koku said afterwards that it was clear that the game wasn't just about football could this turn our season yeah I mean we were debating, as I said last week, um, about Leeds being a turning point. But I do think that this is a, a, a big response and a really important three points. The character, the togetherness. Um, what I also loved about the third goal was the celebration and someone's taken a fantastic picture, which I know you uh, retweeted, Chris, about um, Marriott sort of jumping on top of the uh, the celebrations for that goal. But as you say, there are four, five, six Derby players all celebrating together and there is a, a togetherness there. And that's what you need with a... When, when a club's down, and we are down at the moment because of the, the instances in the week, um, you need that togetherness. And they, they clearly showed that this Saturday. And I think we've got a good run of fixtures, which on paper are a lot easier than what we've had. And if we play like we did in, in spells on Saturday, uh, on Wednesday at Barnsley, and then uh, the following week at, against Luton, we should be able to pick up points from the, these sort of games, and we should be able to move up the table, and we should look a much better outfit than we have done perhaps sometimes this season so far. I mean, we'll come on to the other the, the, the three players that missed out this weekend um, in the second half, but you know, what it showed was and what it, what it definitely achieved was it managed to get all the fans on side with the remainder of the squad. And that's the most important thing. The players that are going to be out there every week for the rest of the season playing for Derby County, putting on that black and white shirt and Philip Koku, the fans are right behind them again. And they, it would have been easy for the players to come out there and not perform and use the midweek events as an excuse. Maybe we were lucky that we had a willing opposition in Birmingham. Aren't a great team. They're a functional team, but they're not a brilliant team. Didn't really press us. They didn't really put Derby under much pressure at the back probably quite helpful but it's just great to see the club coming together the fans were brilliant I thought the atmosphere I wasn't there but the atmosphere sounded excellent um, from the very first minute obviously an early goal helps and hopefully we can start to put last week behind us you can subscribe to Steve Bloomer's Washing you can find us on SoundCloud hit follow or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts for Apple users or on Spotify as well or wherever you get your podcasts Hi, I'm Paolo Wenchop, and you're listening to Steve Bloomer's Washing. This could be Derby's last chance of an equaliser. Four pockets for them with a cross. Jones stretches and it's in! What a finish! Mikel Beck in the dying second! 
terms of stoppage time has given Derby a point and there's the final whistle it's all over welcome back then to Steve Bloomer's washing now a lot has been said about this incident from last week and uh, the actions of the Tuesday club as uh, as they've been dubbed by some on on social media I think there's only so much we can really say and there's only so much we should say given that it is in the process of going through going through the courts there's uh, you know there's a a system to to respect but the facts are two derby county players will be will be up in court in october charged with drink driving and our captain is out for the season after injuring his knee in the same incident and even a few days on i don't know how you both feel about it but for me it's still embarrassing it's shameful it's it's disrespectful and that's putting it kindly, to be honest. I've seen much, much worse on social media. I guess the biggest thing that we need to contend with from this, once all the national headlines fall away, is how much do you think this will disrupt our season long term? I think, thankfully, we saw a good response, as we've already talked about yesterday, which was really important to kind of galvanise the squad. In terms of the football inside, Richard Keogh, you know, we were... It was only last week when we recorded the episode and we talked about, I think it was Keogh's 350th appearance in English football. 600th league oh, appearance, sorry, I 600 think. And we were talking about him being 700 appearances and that could be in a couple of seasons kind of thing. And, you know, he's our captain for a reason. He's been a great servant to the club up until this point. He will be a miss as a as a person, but we seem to have Curtis Davis ready to step in, which which is brilliant. Mason Bennett is a squad player. Uh, he was an effective impact substitute last season I am personally quite a big fan of Mason Bennett and will normally defend his on the field play Tom Lawrence is very hot and cold as we know has moments of genius like in the first game of the season but hasn't really been great since that match this season so in terms of footballing wise I think Bennett and Lawrence aren't huge losses although we are short of players in that position that's a a bit of a problem for me and Keogh is our captain so and he has been player of the season a number of times that he will be a miss but I think we've got to cover at centre-back to deal with that I think it's definitely Keogh that I am that will miss most and who I'm most upset about frankly Uh, this is a guy who's played for Derby for what eight years seven years he was despite what people think about him and his occasional lapses I think over the course of a 46 game season for the past two or three years he's been really solid he's been really good like he was almost our player of the year Last year, I think he's actually been player of the year once or twice with the Jack Stamps and the, and the, and the other trophy as well. Um, you just you look at him and he he's he's a really solid player pro, isn't he? Like he's first out the, you know he he, he appeared to lead by example. He, he gets his head down. He's got over the various obstacles and challenges he's had in his career, and to allegedly let himself down in the way that he has. Um, I'm. I'm, I'm good for him. It's just really sad. It's really sad. Keogh is um, a real sort of figurehead for the club and has become synonymous with the club, certainly since he joined us, as you say, sort of two, 2012 or so. Um, and he's always been part of the, on the field, sort of, he's, he's bore the brunt of the criticism and he's sort of faced up to that criticism. Then it was, off it was, the field. It was Mr. Derby County, basically. Yeah. And off for, the for, field. For better or worse. Think, think, about, think about going back to that Leeds game when they were celebrating and rightly so and um, he was like in there enjoying that and showing the passion and the care and the love that he has for that uh, for this club. He's, um, he set up the winner. Yeah, of course. And like, he's, he was all, he's always sort of been that sort of really passionate sort of player and someone who's not going to shirk away from the, the sort of like 
I guess the limelight and the um, challenge and, it, and the, yeah and the challenge on it and it's yeah I think we'll massively miss Keo this season um, he's he's the he's been the one at centre back who we can trust and I do think that Clark Bielik Davis there were questions over like form fitness and various things and if you put two of those in where there's questions over those things that like, we will be weaker for for losing Keo um, but I do agree with Kutch I think Lawrence and Bennett are perhaps more coverable um, I think Keo as you said he's kind of defined the club almost for the last few years when you've had when you've had managers change so much and we can come back to that as possibly a, as one of the reasons why this kind of thing has happened but if you had so many different managers you know managers don't last longer than 18 months at Derby County over the last you know five or six years and sometimes that's down to us sometimes that's down to them moving on but when you've got that players such as Keogh and there's not many others that have been there all the way through that you know Chris Martin's been there through that as well but obviously been on loan and left the club and come back you know, Keo would would have been a huge presence at that club. Again, as you said, for better or worse, would have been a huge presence in that changing room. He's been like the one uh, kind of consistent element of that change room during this whole very close to getting promoted, but not quite getting promoted. Um, I kind of tweeted jokingly the other day, it would be the most Richard Keo thing ever for us to get promoted this season when he's not involved. You know, we finally go up and he's at the club, but he didn't really play any part in it because he, he was got in, he's an idiot, basically. Do you think, do you think he'd do a John Terry and go, go full kit to lift the trophy? Um, depends whether, judging by the pictures on social media, if they're anything to go by, like, they look pretty horrific. So if yeah. you can even... Well, uh, if, if they're true. Yeah, yeah. if um, they're true, of course. But. I mean, what I will say, though, is where are Derby's scapegoats going to come from now because they are three <laughs> Bennett, Lawrence and Kyo in the last 18 months have been three of the biggest scapegoats for Derby County fans particularly on social media they do it they do all attract their own little fan club of hatred I think Rami could be getting it in the neck at uh, home games in the future <laughs> I think there's plenty of players who can possibly get it in the neck coach <laughs> Bielik started to get it actually um, granted he looks nervous at times against uh against Birmingham at the weekend and he gave away the penalty with what you can only say was not a good challenge but I don't think centre-back is his best position um, I think you've seen enough from him to, sh- to show that he can be a real asset this season or next season in front of the back four um, but you're right who, who are we going to get angry about now? Well hopefully like as we saw again we come back we've already said it before but as we come back to Saturday and yesterday you know the fans were behind everyone Vans were behind all the players yesterday, and that's how it always should be. You know, players can get stick if they play badly, or if they go off the boil, if they have momentary lapses. Of course, they're going to be criticising. We're not against criticising players. We've been told we do it too often to certain players ourselves. But you know, these I don't think. I'm, not, I'm trying to say who who would be the biggest miss if we lost them for the rest of the season. Now, Jaden Bogle, possibly the amount we've missed him. Yeah. Holmes as well, I think, in midfield. And I do think if you look at the players that obviously have been involved in this incident this week, I think Keo is clearly and obviously the biggest loss. Um, I think Lawrence has got the potential to be he could really he's really frustrating isn't he because he could be an excellent player uh, that performance against Huddersfield with the, the technique that he showed for both of those goals fantastic and you're thinking oh Lawrence has arrived this season he's going to do something the last nine games he's been rubbish and like and there's been debate of whether he should even be in the starting 11 and Bennett as you say is a is a squad player he he contributes like he put, he runs around he puts the effort in um, he's obviously Derby through and through he's come through the ranks and uh, he's one of our own etc etc but realistically Lawrence and Bennett we've got the players to to replace them they're not in they're not indispensable whereas I think Keogh at the moment is indispensable to this club it's worth pointing out that Derby in that statement did say that they plan to uh, rehabilitate the players involved back into the first team um, once again we 
are going to stay away from making any assumptions about what will happen in the legal process. Um, but it seems the club are looking to support them, which is good. They're looking to try and uh, try and keep the group tight to to do what many would say they should be doing. Some people are saying they should be doing the opposite, but that's not for us to say. But in a weird sort of way, Kutch, it's interesting how this whole issue seems to have galvanised support towards Philip Koku. Uh, he was, I said myself when I had to do a bit on, on the radio over the weekend, that we had problems before this. Only won once all season. Koku didn't seem to know his best team. He's got a few few players to select from now, so maybe that's less of a problem. And we had the same old problems from defending set pieces. But the reaction that I've seen, people are really getting behind him. They're recognising that he didn't ask for any of this. It's not something that any manager should have to deal with um, in sport, let alone football. And I just wonder, in a, in a perverse, weird, reverse sort of a way, if almost, I'm not going to use the word blessing in disguise, but <laughs> if, if, it could be a, if it could be something which really unites the fan base and unites everyone towards a manager who wasn't convincing everyone in the first part of the season. Yeah, no, I think it, it definitely did on Saturday, and I think the club handled it really well. Philip Koku and I mean, Mel Morris was doing the kind of a tour of the pubs around the ground and going around the concourses and talking to fans and apologising, basically taking the blame himself, saying he's responsible. I think that's both right. I think, well, Mel Morris wasn't responsible for people maybe or maybe not getting in cars when they're drunk. Um, Mel Morris is the owner of the club, and the buck stops somewhere, and it's, that kind of behaviour should stop at the owner. And so Mel did that, which was great. But then Mel and uh, Cocky were also kind of walking around in front of the stands about five minutes before kickoff, kind of walking around and, and applauding the fans and saying thank you for, for coming and thank you for supporting us. I didn't realise that, were they, were they yeah. really? Yeah, they both were. Cocky wasn't in the dressing room just before the game. He was out with Mel Morris walking around the ground. I saw, right. it, on, saw it on Rams TV. There's an excellent picture of them both in front of the... Uh, there's a derby flag which says, uh, we're all derby, aren't we? I and, did uh, see that. Yeah, yeah. And that, that, was, be- that was before there. the game. Right. Yeah. And um, I think what's really interesting is that one of the kind of criticisms thrown at Philip Cocker, and we've talked about it on the pod before, is he doesn't bounce, and he doesn't wave to the fans when they ask him to wave to him, and he's a bit serious, and he's maybe a bit like you know, Sven-Gorn Eriksson back in the day, accused of not being passionate enough to be an England manager or be a Derby County manager. And it's kind of like, oh, that's actually what we need now. That's actually quite a lot. That's important to have someone quite level-headed and a bit sensible. I wonder what had happened if this had happened under Frank Lampard, who's a bit more laddie and a bit more, you know, was happy to be seen with the players, having a drink, having fun. And I've got nothing against that. I think players should go out and have a good time. But there's, a, there's a way to do it. And obviously Tuesday night was the wrong way to do it, whatever happened. But I just wonder what the reaction would have been if it had been Frank Lampard or another manager who had been there for a while and let a certain or a perception of a certain culture develop. And then it kind of blows up in your face. Philip Koku can kind of stand back and say, well, you know, this is a new squad to me. I'm still getting to know my players. I'm still getting to know their limits. I think... Lampard would have handled it in a, in a very similar way, but I get what you mean. Like, you can't blame Koku because he hasn't surely known the players long enough to uh, to have lost the dressing room in the first place. <laughs> it's like literally impossible. But going on to the issue of the captaincy, here's the timeline: two days after the incident, Koku's asked who's our new captain. Kears out for a year. He says Tom Huddleston, as Huddleston is one of three captains that we have. More on that in a minute. Then come match day, the lineup comes out and it's Curtis Davis, brackets, C, close brackets. Um, I guess we're all on the same page in agreeing that 
it was probably the right thing to do because we were a bit shocked that Huddleston was made captain in the first place. I, I don't think necessarily Huddleston's captain material. He doesn't seem like the sort of person that if something's going wrong, he's going to drag me out of a, a dark place and get me fighting again, if that makes sense. And that's what you want from your captain. Whereas I think if I was, if I was, um, so I've never met Curtis Davis, but the way I see him, I'd do anything for him. He's a real leader and you can see the way he inspires people from his performances. Whereas I think, Huddleston can hide a little bit when things are going badly and that's not necessarily what you want from a captain. Um, so yeah, I, I was a bit surprised for Huddleston to be named captain on, on Thursday. I wasn't surprised to see Davis be captain. He's, he is, as I understand, the club captain as well. So he and he's also the senior figure in that in that club. Just like to point out that I have met Curtis Davis. I knew, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Sorry, big dog. I mean, we weren't invited. Not that we're bitter. Um, I was busy. Pre-season podcast from last season. Listen now on SoundCloud. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Cheeky retweet um, later. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that the thing that I thought of is the during uh, the first Fulham the, the playoff home leg when he uh, there was that video of Curtis Davis getting the players in a huddle and he was really firing them up, really getting them going. Um, we didn't go up that season. We we won that game. I can't really picture Huddleston doing that. Can you? I I, I guess in one way that's not always what being a captain is all about. It's not always about just shouting, but I think for the attributes that he has, Curtis Davis is the the most obvious selection, and I'm glad that um, that Koku changed his mind. Maybe Huddleston's our futsal captain. Davis is now our <laughs> first eleven captain, and Keo is our social bants captain. Mm. <laughs> um, I think yeah, I think we all agree Davis is the right captain, and he's got a track record as being captain both at Derby County when he took us to the to the playoffs, as you said, under Gary Rowett, and also at other clubs as well. He's had a very successful career. He is. He is definitely captain material. Tom Huddleston has not proved to be captain material in the past, although probably not been given that many opportunities for whatever reason. But yeah, I think what he, you're right to bring it up though, Chris, and I was kind of a little bit miffed by it. And thankfully, it hasn't been made into a big story. If we'd lost the game, I think it would have been made into a big story as to, so you named Tom Huddleston your captain, but then it was Curtis Davis, like what happened in between? And Koku did kind of answer that question on Saturday. He said that more information came to light about the Tuesday club. And obviously there were some videos on social media, which may suggest Huddleston was, in, was involved to some extent. And that's why they've obviously taken it away from him. So my question is, is he the shortest lived Derby County captain of all time? I think so. Yeah, I can't really think About of any other hours. candidates. Was there a time when Chris Baird was Derby captain? I, I think he actually got to put the armband on the pitch. Tom Allison didn't even get to do that. No, no. Shame. Um, yeah, it's interesting what you mentioned about Mel Morris there, because he made a point of going around the fan areas to apologise in person to fans and and all the tweets that I saw were just people saying, oh yeah, I just bumped into Mel Morris. He was really sorry. We told him he had nothing to be sorry about. Um, he just, he cares so much, doesn't he? he? He cares almost too much at times. You could argue, I completely agree. I, I don't really see why he has to apologise for an event that he wasn't present at and for a group of people who should be who you should you can reasonably expect to behave themselves and conduct themselves in a normal manner. I think um I think he's doing his duty as the the head of the club mm. and I think that's really important and he's trying to deflect flack away from other people uh Koku obviously and then the the players who have been involved in this. Um I think what Derby have done in responding to this and 
saying that this is a horrific event and we've been very strong in our wording on the statements and then Morris going out to try to engage with the fans is really important and I think the fact that we've said that we're going to support these players through is also really important don't forget Lawrence lost his mum last year I mean he's 25 years old he's still young it's, it's 23 a, no, work? Bennett's twenty three. Lawrence is twenty five. Oh, yeah. Sorry, but I mean that's a that's a huge thing to go through. It's thankfully not something I've had to go through, and I don't know how you deal with that. Then also dealing with this uh, sort of stress and the the sort of limelight you have as a professional footballer, and those things sort of combined, he obviously had has had a big knock on effect, and not that that's an excuse for him to go and and do something if that's what has has happened, and uh, be over the drink uh, the drink drive limit and be driving a car if that's what's happened, but. It's important, I think, to support people through difficult times, not just sort of get rid of them and just leave them out to society to to whatever happened, because that can make things a lot worse. And I think that we need to make sure that Lawrence and Bennett are reintegrated into the squad successfully, regardless of what happens to them in October uh, when they go up against the criminal charges they're having. I think that's a really important part, Tom, a uh, really important point to make, Tom, because I think I'm not sure which statement it was, or I think it was during the press conference, Philip Cocky mentioned the exact, um, you know, about Tom Lawrence losing his mum. I think it was earlier this year, um, or the back end of last season. And a lot of people misread or misinterpreted what Cocky said there. I think a lot of fans seem to think that Cocky was using it as an excuse for Tom Lawrence. And that's not what he was saying at all. And that's not what the club is saying. What the club is saying, which is, for me, absolutely bang on, is if you've got a player who has gone through a really tough time, if you lose your, if you lose your parent, again, I've not been through it either, but if you, I know people who have, if you lose your parent at a young age, it's not a nice place to be. It's not a good incident. Now, yeah, he hasn't made, him, hasn't made it any easier for himself by potentially doing something wrong. But you need, they're very lucky that they're at, an organisation like Derby County or like any kind of football club which has the resources to support people and that's exactly what they should be doing and whatever comes out of this they did say like Koku's comments were he's in a very dark place in a very bad place and losing your job is not going to help you as a, as a human being and, and Derby should rightly support them in the way that they feel appropriate that's very true um, I think yeah I, I definitely agree with that point broadly but the line that just sticks in my head from that statement is just the club saying a group of individuals did what they did despite the club laying on a number of vehicles for them to get home. Um, I'll, I'll try not to go much further into into what they may or may not have done, but that line just really stayed with me for as an indication of how irresponsible and, and, and reckless that appears to have been. But anyway, let's leave it there. Um, whatever happens is going to happen. Uh, they are due to appear in court in, uh, in the middle of October. So, yeah, let's just leave it there. there. There are consequences for actions and whatever has happened, there will be consequences for that. But at the same time, you don't then just leave people alone, I think. And I think that Derby have said that we rehabilitate and, and support them through this uh, whatever might be I think that's really important so I, I do see what you're saying Chris um, but I do think there's a there's an idea of support rather than just ignoring and leaving people to, to deal with the mistakes they've made nobody is perfect and there are mistakes which are bigger and smaller than, than other things um, and I do think it's important that the club show, show that support and I think although this is a very bad time for the club I do think the top echelons of that Mel Morris etc um they come out well, really well, and I think they do the right things. Going in to engage with the fan, fans before the game on Saturday, I think that's really important. I think the fans uh, appreciate that, and I think that's why we know that we're we're well run, and we know that Morris, we, tr- we trust him as an owner, and we're in 
we're in good hands with Mel Morris, I'd say. There's definitely previous ownership groups from Derby County who would have uh, buried their heads in the sand on this, who would have uh, distanced themselves from the fans, from the issues. So, yeah, I think in in the circumstances, Mel Morris has done what could be expected and then some. Um, Let's cheer things up, shall we? Richard, you have a question for us to end this podcast with. And it's not, would you like another pint? <laughs> what is what is that question? I am actually running empty though, Tom. If you could visit the bar. Um, my question is, where ram I? Which is the new Steve Loomer's Washing Quiz, introduced by one Chris Parsons last week. I think last week we were at Oakwell. We were. Where Derby are on Wednesday. Where we, Derby will be on Wednesday, yeah. We haven't even talked about that, but uh, good luck, the Rams. Um, <laughs> that's our analysis for that preview. There. Hope we win. Yeah, hope, hope, we, hope we do well. Football. <laughs> um, so this game is a, a slight twist on who ram I, where we, we try and identify a former player, and where ram I is a championship ground. Now, it might be a championship ground which is currently in the championship, or it might be a championship ground Derby have previously visited in the championship. So where ram I, first clue, and buzz in... When you think you have the answer, I am a 93.8 mile drive from Pride Park. Chris? That's very specific. <laughs> Can't say Carrow Chris. Road, Norwich. No, incorrect. Tom, Kenilworth Road, Luton. Correct. Oh, <laughs> come on. Well, having uh, driven down from Pride Park to Derby down, uh, down towards the south quite a few times, I remember Luton being, Luton Airport. About 100 about, miles. Yeah. How much time have you spent on those clues? <laughs> do, I hear, do I hear the rest of them? Because they're good clues. I think we should. Yeah. Derby. Yeah. No, the Cutshaw's are spending about, what, five minutes before we start recording this pod? I don't think you're going to get to this clue. <laughs> Derby first visited me for an FA Cup tie in 1946. I was home to one of the first artificial pitches in the English Football League. Oh, might have got it then. Might have gone to Loftus Road then, mightn't you? Yeah. Because that's the famous one. Um, uh, Kenilworth Road was the second, I believe. The last time the Rams, last time the Rams dropped in was November 2006. John's dead. On that day, Derby took the points in a 2-0 win. John Stead and Steve Howard got the goals. Howard against his former club. Mm. Current capacity is 10,356, and this will be the last season played here by the Hatters. don't think I've had a, really, a real chance to do myself justice in that round of uh, Where Am I? Um, it's a good twist on the game, though, isn't it? I like well, it. Have you got another one for us? I want another game. No, next oh. week. Next week. My pod- turn next week. The podcast will return. Uh, we're going to get another one in before the international break to cover Derby's trips to Oakwell Barnsley, 57 miles in Pride Park, of course. Uh, Officially. And, uh, and Luton. So we're back before the break and then another episode after the international break. But Richard, thanks so much. Cheers. And Tom Martin, a pleasure. All the best. See you again. Mm-hmm.